You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And it's midday and we're here with Ark Church and Samuel Chizaketi and Alita Robinson and we're talking about God again this afternoon. How are you, Samuel? I'm really well, thank you, Alita. How are you going? I'm going really well too. A yeah, yeah. little bit chilly this morning, but it anyway. It is, it is. The sun is struggling to come out and we are a little bit toasty in the studio, so that's all good. Yeah, yeah. Well, give me toasty any day. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you being the frog that you are, <laughs> it's good to be able to have somewhere warm to place you. Yeah, you got to at least be fair with the man who was born in a tropical paradise, <laughs> who never knew winter until he was in his, his mid-30s. Oh, at least early 30s. So, you know, yeah. winter is, I haven't gotten accustomed to winter yet. Well, I have to tell <laughs> you, my feet years. have not thawed out yet. They're just <laughs> very, very cold. Anyway, we've been, for, the, for quite a few weeks now, we've been, uh, we've been tackling the question, is there a God? Mm-hmm. And uh, you've gone through a number of, uh, of, of different um, uh, what Ar- arguments Arguments, that's yes, the one yeah. um, A whole heap of them Yes uh, and, and we've sort of I think we've established that there, That there is a God Yeah um, However, we are now going to go into So what does this God look like? Who is this God? Yeah And uh, is it the Christian God? Is it the Hindu God? Is it the Muslim God? Yeah What sort of God are we actually talking about? Uh-huh And uh we're, we're yeah. launching. We're launching into that space today. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think um, you know. Often we we take sort of a time to pause, and before we launch into the you know, sort of a, the next the next question in front of us, uh, we want to you know pause and try to review how far we've come, mm. because you know the listener who's just jumped in, jumped on today, for example, might just simply you know, feel like they've just got this snake. But somewhere in the middle, or the rope right in the middle. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of snakes. They call blood creatures. <laughs> At least grab this rope uh, right, right in the middle. And so we, we pose. Um, you know, it, it had become fashionable in our culture today for people to go, "Well, look, there's no God." You know, atheism was on the rise. Um, you know, it's been on the rise, and the number of you know, people who are committed to uh, the Christian faith was uh, rapidly decreasing. And the, the number of people who are consistently committed to going to church and listening to, you know, the, the teaching of Christ from Holy Scriptures had consistently been going down from the 50s. And so, you know, it, it, as I was saying, it become fashionable for people to go there is not God. And very often people say, look, wait, I used to believe in God when I was a child. A child yeah. Now I've grown up, you know. Though I don't I no longer believe in those childish things, right? <laughs> those fairy tales, those stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, or you people said to you, look, there is no evidence that God exists. Mm. This is why even when you say we've established there's a God, I'm like, no, uh, we've established God exists. Yes. It's a better way of formulating the uh, the statement because if there is a God, is there an, an other God? And you know, how many gods are there? And becomes also an, another question. Now, so we were establishing at least uh, that there is 
a, the greatest conceivable being, there couldn't be two, there couldn't be three greatest conceivable, a greatest conceivable, the greatest conceivable being, and that the greatest conceivable being will be, you know, uh, will have some great making properties, like, you know, justice to its maximal extent, he will have love to its maximal extent, which is, which says omnibenevolent, or will have, you know, knowledge to its maximum extent, that's omni omniscience um or it will will be you know have power to its maximum extent that's omnipotent and so we were establishing that through uh, the process of the study of natural theology in other words the theologian reflection on the created world we can formulate you know uh, uh, philosophical arguments by arguments i mean making a philosophical case uh, that use either deduction, induction, or abduction to come to the conclusion that such being exists. Okay? Yeah. And by you making the philosophical argument, we use the data of our scientific discovery so far to be able to make that case. And because it's a cumulative case, and when you take evidence upon evidence upon evidence, and you pile it up together, the case is overwhelming so that the person who says there's no God, no God has got no excuse. Mm, All right? right. Yep. You know, it becomes just a, a, a case of they don't believe there's no God, not because they've reviewed the evidence, it's because they have other reasons not to believe, and very often it's moral reasons because they don't want to be accountable to God. Yeah. In a way. So we were establishing that. And so what we did throughout, uh, just to, to bring our, our listeners up to speed, is we looked at a number of line of arguments. So we started with the cosmological family. So we looked at the Kalam, um, you know, very, very simple deductive argument. Whatever begins to exist as a cause, the universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe is a cause. We looked at, you know, the evidence that the universe began to exist at least from Big Bang cosmology, to establish that, yes, right now, from a, cos you know, a cosmology point of view, you know, even when those are trying to posit string, th string theories and, you know, you know multi-worlds, you know, multiverse theories, you know, according to Alex Vilenkin, uh, who is, a, you know, one prominent cosmologist, it come to conclusion that even the multi-world itself will have to have a beginning somewhere. Mm. So cosmologists cannot no longer run uh, to the idea of an eternal universe because the universe had a beginning. So we established that, therefore, the Kalam cosmological argument, therefore, goes, whatever begins to exist as, as a cause, the universe began to exist, the universe is cause. Then we can analyze what kind of cause will cause this kind of thing. So the universe is time, space, matter, and energy. So the cause of the universe could not be time because time itself was Create, you know, came into being at that first moment of singularity. So, uh, you know, the cause of the universe must be timeless, spaceless, mm. immaterial, that's what we call spirit, and extremely powerful to have caused such a huge massive effect. And we also established that if the cause was eternal, and it was it, it most, you can have an eternal cause that creates an eternal effect. But since the universe began to exist at some point, and the cause of the universe is timeless, 
at least to the point of saying the timeless cause decided at some point to create mm. or at least to produce the effect. And only a, 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 an entity endowed with a will can at some point decide to create or to cause an effect. And so in that sense, it leads us to a personal cause of the universe. So timeless, spaceless, immaterial, extremely powerful, personal mm. cause because only persons have got will. So that was a clam. And we looked at the Leibnizian uh, cosmological argument, you know, whatever exists must have an explanation. And if the, the universe has an explanation, that explanation is God. Because how could we, you know, look at the universe, it either exists necessarily or exists contingently. You know, and we know the universe exists contingently, therefore the experience for the universe is a timeless, spaceless. <laughs> yep. There we go. So yep. you've got two, uh, you know, uh, arguments from the cosmological family that leads us to the conclusion we can't avoid. Yeah. Then we looked at the moral argument, you know, if God didn't exist, good and bad, right and wrong wouldn't exist. And But good and bad right and exist, therefore God exists. And we analyze, did good and bad come where? From human society, from evolution, from what? Law, government. None of these explanations were adequate to explain the origin of morality. Mm. And therefore, we came to the conclusion only God's existence as the standard setter higher than human is the best explanation for the existence of morality. That's another piece of evidence in the box. Yeah. Ah, we looked at, okay, what was the next piece of evidence we looked? We looked at the teleological argument. We, we looked at the design argument. You know, we looked at how so many things were balanced on the razor's age. Mm, that's right. You remember that yeah. one, yeah? Yeah. It's and, right. and, and it was that we looked at from the micro to the micro to the, you know, everyday experience and the, just for life to exist. There are so many fundamental constants constants and quantities that must be included within uh, you know within the, uh, the the initial conditions of the big bang for example for us to even have life at all you know, gravitational constant we had you know the, the the amount of entropy for example so these are all sorts of things and as i was explaining this very often when somebody says to me well uh, there's no evidence god exists i often ask them which evidence did you review yes and so, because most of the stuff that I'm saying here, very few people in our, in our sort of, on the popular level, have interacted with this stuff. Mm. And they go, well, why is it that hard? Well, <laughs> you cannot posit that there's no evidence. And when we start to present the evidence, the evidence is too hard. You can't have it both ways, right? Yeah, that's right. And so, in that sense, and I was encouraging the believers to interact with these things. And I recommended that anyone who wants to know how to do this, just buy a book called On Guard. It's written by William Lane Craig, On Guard. Uh, it's easy read, popular level. Anybody can entry point. You know, anyway, if you're a Christian, you, you know, buy On Guard. I'm like, okay. Well, look, buy On Guard. I, I'm, just, I'm just encouraging you. And the next book I would, you know, would like you to... Think consider about, yes <laughs> is tactics yes you know that is um, a good book yeah. Yeah, yeah by tactics by gregory cockle mm. again planned for discussion of christian convictions fantastic piece of work just just just, just to start there just to start there and if you want to go further there's another book i don't have enough faith to be an atheist written by norman geisler and and frank frank Turek. so mm. 
you know, I'm just bringing all up to speed. And then when the last bit we, we were just looking at the last couple of weeks, we looked at what is called the ontological argument. Mm. Right? The very possibility that God exists implies God exists. You know, if God exists, it must exist in a possible world. And, you know, if it exists in a possible world, then it exists in the actual world. And if it exists in the actual world, it exists therefore, uh, God therefore exists. So mm. we looked at the ontological argument. And so you, I've just given only five. I could go more and more. There's plenty. I know, I can see it on your face. <laughs> There's plenty. So that's how far we have come mm. before we launch into what we're going to do. Yeah, so, okay, so everybody knows where we're up to. Uh, so, as I usually say, strap on your seatbelts. Uh, but in, but uh, before then, we'll have a listen to Amy Grant and Power in the Blood. you be free from the burden of sin there's power in the blood power in the blood good you or evil a victory win there's wonderful power in the blood there is Power in the Blood 
We were singing along to that one. That was a good one. <laughs> You're listening to 105.1 Life FM and we're in the studio with Samuel Chisichetti and we're continuing on with our question uh, about there, is there a God? We've yes. established that there is definitely a God. Yes. Um, you've done a whole uh, summary of what yes. <laughs> we've done over the yes. last yes. six or seven weeks yep. and we're about to launch into the next step. So I'll so, give it to you. Yeah, so we, we, once we've done this trip all the way so far, we get to the place where now the question arises, well, okay, well, assuming or at least accepting the evidence presented. I mean, I mean, this is uh, you're assuming the person who's been listening to the evidence was open-minded enough <laughs> to be able to go, all right, fair enough, you have demonstrated, I can't refute all the five lines of argument you presented and the evidence you've laid in front of me, assuming that there's God and accepting that as a conclusion, but which one? There are, you know, there's Hinduism, there is... You know, Islam, there is the animistic religions of Africa, uh, you know, there is Judaism, you know, there's Buddhism. But which God is it? You know, there's the Greek gods. Okay, we've removed those because those ones, when you start by definition, you know, as I said, we, we started out, we, we established definition and, and remove misconceptions. So that's our first, first session. Yeah. So the definition of the greatest conceivable being, you know, uh, you know, the greatest conceivable being, the maximally great being, and always necessary, okay, who is immaterial, okay, personal, who is all-knowing, who is all-omnibenevolent, and who is omnipotent, and who is, um, you know, who has got the quality of justice to its, uh, its maximal extent. That definition itself, when you start to walk through it, you start to notice how that definition basically knocks out whatever concept of God is presented in other religions. But let me start by showing you how things work. Because most people, unfortunately, there has been a rise of since the, the age of rationality, the age of reason, it was called in the West, you know, 16th, 17th century, uh, where um, people started to disassociate the capacity for rational thoughts with religion matters, religious matters. And it's unfortunately that even the Christian church had accepted that. If you're a preacher or you are a Christian pastor and you start to reason too much, you know, people are like, well, you don't need to reason these things. Is as though reason and God were opposed. Was I thinking it was just um, accepted to just be true, and so you, you didn't have to really explain it? You just had to accept it. Well, not only that, it was not that you had to just accept it; you had to believe it. Mm. It's just simply a psychological assent to something that you just believe. You know, don't think it too hard. I, I, I think I've I've shared my my testimony of how I came back to Christ. I was an atheist and a very, very, very sort of a staunch. And very argumentative one I used to. And when I came back to Christ and I was trying to reason and think about these things, you know, the people who had helped bring me to Christ used to say, Brother, you don't have to think too hard about these things. Mm. You just have to believe. And so their statement, you just have to believe, meant don't think, 
Just believe. I don't know what that is. Like right now, I'm incapable of such belief. I cannot believe in something that isn't true. Mm. Or that I, I cannot ascertain to be true. So, but some people have found that this is why our culture in general has come to define faith as the ability to believe in things that there is no evidence for. Richard Dawkins especially defines faith that way. Mm. Well, no, the biblical faith is an evidentiary based, evidential, evidence-based faith. Yeah. And so, in that sense, the anti-intellectualism led people to never associate religious matters with reasoning and rationality. That you can't reason this. And, and, and that's done a lot of damage. And it's still right now, as I'm talking, there are probably Christians who are listening to me who find it hard to love the Lord or God with their mind. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> yeah, the one who said, come, let's reason together, right? Yeah. yeah. Or the Logos, you know, in the beginning was the Logos, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Christians are still struggling to be able to develop that muscle they've lost. They're still trying to argue mm. using reasons to argue that we don't need reasons to believe. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Self-defeating. Mm. And, so, be- and, and that means that they can't explain their faith either. When That's someone exactly. asks them the curly question, they've yep. got no idea. Gets it's stuck. just, oh, well, I just believe it. Yeah, yep. uh, that's exactly right. Just, mm. just a cop out. Yeah. Oh, look, I just believe, you know. Yeah. And so what I was leading into is to say, therefore, that when we say God, people want to strip any capacity to reason and to think because thinking, well, about the Hindu God and the you know, Buddhist God. And Okay, let me then try to give you an analogy to see how it works. If somebody says God, the first question I have, what is your definition? What do you mean by God? Yeah. Because think about it. Somebody could be saying the word, the fact that it is just the letter G-O-D doesn't mean that we're talking exactly about the same thing. No. All right. I grew up in Africa. We have animistic religions over there where I pick up a piece of tree, cut it, make a little statue and put it in front of me. And that is God. Now, by definition, the definition that I presented, you know, the greatest conceivable being, yep. necessary and not contingent, yep. not made by any human, yep. necessary not contingent, and has got great making properties like omniscience, <laughs> omnipotence. You can see all the animistic religions of Africa that cuts little piece of trees that they start to worship and the, the I you know idol worship. Yeah. Yeah. Those things that the people in the Middle East used to do as well. When 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 you know, the Bible says in Isaiah, you know, 42, 43, 44, 45, you know, you know, God makes the case, I am God, there is no other. And, and that's the Christian God I'm talking about. Yeah. And look at all the other gods. They are man made, human made. So his case was, I'm necessary. Those other gods are contingent. And it just goes to show, doesn't it, that really inherently in people, they have to have something to worship. Yeah, yeah. There has to be something that, yeah. they, that they think is bigger than them, yeah, even if yeah, they've yeah. Created, created it Themselves. with their own hands. Exactly. Yes. Which yeah. is quite you know, so ridiculous yeah, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And so in that sense, that just the provided definition itself is enough. Mm. You know, greatest conceivable being... You know, maximally great being personal, immaterial, spaceless, timeless, and uh, you know, uh, you know, worthy of worship, 
you know, holy and righteous, you know, having justice to its perfection, um, that definition itself, first of all, knocks the you know Buddhists out. Why? Because Gautama never talked about God. Actually, Buddhism is, um, I don't want to sort of say atheistic religion, but it actually is. Uh, the great Ravi Zacharias uh, used to say that. You know, Gautama didn't set out to try to prove that there was, you know, God, the infinitely great. And, no, that's not what Gautama set up to do. He was, he, he came from Hinduism and he was brought up from the highest caste, the caste of priest in Hinduism. And so he left one day, he got out of the compound and, and saw all the suffering of other people and couldn't justify the opulence that he lived in versus the poverty of the, the rest of the caste. And he was told that these people are just paying their karma. Mm. And so he went, well, no. You know, I can't justify the desire for this pursuit of materialism we have. So he went, you know, in, in the pursuit of stripping himself from the desire from these things. So never talked about the concept of God, didn't approach that. And he went to just meditation and trying to work on himself to strip. That's the greatest pursuit of, of, of Buddhism is to you know, sort of to separate oneself from materialistic desires. Mm. That's it. Mm. So in other words, we can't even talk about the concept of God in Buddhism. It's just not there. It's the pursuit of peace with self. Now, some of the things you might have found with Buddhism would be, you know, uh, that was borrowed from Hinduism. Now, Hinduism itself has got 330 million gods in the pantheon of the Hindu gods. Okay, And so with that, uh, you know, you, you get to the, you know, the what is called the one, because these are monistic religions. So, you know, you hear them say, all is one. You know, you know, all is Brahman. Mm. Uh, it's because Brahman is not a personal God, it's an impersonal force. And in the pantheon of, depending on you know, who within the Hindu uh, religion you're talking to, you, 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 you find that, that Brahman is sometimes considered to be the universe itself. And so we're dealing here with a concept that is not like the definition we've used of a personal, greatest conceivable being, you know, uh, immaterial, spaceless, timeless, and so on and so forth. So, and then when you look at all the pantheon of, uh, you know, the 330 million gods of Hinduism, uh, none of them, whether it is, you know, Vishnu, Krishna, all of them, none of them basically fits the bill of that particular definition we're talking about. Mm. So the monistic religions basically describe God who is pretty much a lot more similar with what has become in the West, in the West a, a sort of a regular parlance, mother universe, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, that's sort of, yeah, that kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, we're we left with, you know, uh, Islam and Judaism, which is your sort of, uh, you, know, um, you know, Abrahamic religions. Yes. See what I've been doing. I've been just simply taking the definition and applying it. Because mm. you're trying to work out, okay, you provide a definition. Which one of these religions basically describe the God we have just presented through evidence uh, we've, we've defined so that it would be worthy of being God, yeah, right? It's not a matter of just whatever I believe, but it's objectively who is God and what's the definition that is, you know, appropriate for a being worthy of worship, right? Yes, yeah. And so now we're left with Judaism, Hinduism, uh, Judaism, 
Islam and Christianity, the three Abrahamic religions, and that is what we're going to be analysing. All right, well, we'll spend a bit of time in that space and, uh, and see where it takes us. Uh, in the meantime, uh, here's Take My Life with Jaden Levick. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hand and let them nice when you hear someone re 
work, uh, a lovely old song, isn't it? Yes. Uh, yeah. A nice old hymn. Anyway, um, Samuel, yes. we're about to talk about Islam, Judaism mm. and Christianity. Yes. And how God is portrayed in those three religions. Yes. And uh, and you're going to unpack Yes. So, God. you know, when you look at uh, the concept of God in Judaism, of course God is the timeless, spaceless, immaterial and extremely powerful creator of the universe. That's that's so that definition fits Hinduism really well. And you know, Islam as well, you know, God is the, you know, the timeless, spaceless. By the way, the Kalam cosmological argument we started out with was propounded first. The person who first propounded the Kalam was Al Hazali, who was a Muslim theologian. Ah. Yeah. Mm. So it's been revived by William Lane Craig uh, in recent time in his, uh, you know, you know, you know, hallmark work, uh, Reasonable Faith, which is the the book he wrote. Um, but you know, you can see that even the Muslims seem to have the same concept of God. So does the Christians. So what's the difference between these three religions, right? Mm-hmm. Well, are they all right, uh, or but if they're all right, why is it that they don't seem to 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 agree? Yes. Mm. Mm. Well, good question. Good question. <laughs> the stumbling block, <laughs> the stumbling block of all these three Abrahamic religion, is a person. Yes, and it's the person of Jesus. Mm. You see, in Hinduism, Jesus was, was not as relevant because Hinduism has got this pantheon of three hundred thirty million gods. They can just simply grab Jesus and just insert him as just one of the other pantheons. There's no problems. Yeah, you know, it is actually one of the reasons why you know the rise of New Age and the rise. Of, it's actually sort of the rise of Hinduism in the West. You know, has has spread itself a lot among the Christians because you know the Hindus were just happy to say, well, no, well, Jesus is God. Yeah. When you say to a Christian, Jesus is God, without defining exactly what you mean by God, the Christian is like, yeah, sure. You know? And so I was actually, very, very interesting story. One day uh, I went out with our evangelism team at night and, and we met these uh, these, these uh, two guys. They were chefs. And they were from, you know, Indian origin. And, and then we were wanted to preach the gospel to them. And they were very lovely. But <laughs> funny story. Because it was myself, uh, two male and one female, part of our evangelism team, and these guys were his chef. Uh, you know, one of our brothers had like long beard, uh, and I, 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 my beard is not that long. He had really long beard, and and so the, the this 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 these two guys actually told us later on, which is when we approached them, and uh, one of them was a chef. It was, like cracking a joke, but it was at least made the point he had a big massive knife knife in his back. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> Just in case, like what are these at ten PM ten PM in the night? What is this black dude <laughs> and this white long bearded white bearded long bearded man <laughs> wanting from me? Until they saw the female, uh, you know, who was with us mm-hmm. and they're like, uh, because of her we will trust them. Oh really? Oh so funny. Um but we started talking about God and they were all, was, everything was happy and we talked about Jesus. And, and, and he said to me, yeah, well, we believe in Jesus. We believe that Jesus is God. No problems. And I'm like, well, now where do I go from here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I said to him, if you believe Jesus is God, which is I'm happy about, how about you do what he said? He said, no one goes to the Father but through him. And that to you know, one must believe in him 
one must confess and one must be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to, go, to get to God. Mm. And so if you believe Jesus is God, you do what he says, right? It's like, well, no. <laughs> That's for the Christians to do, not me. <laughs> and I also, he's not God enough, right? <laughs> so because it seems that Jesus is the stumbling block here. Mm. Uh, Jesus entered the, the the world, you know, and, and, and there's the, the understanding of Jesus in Judaism is not one of what who Jesus said he was. All right? When Jesus entered the world, he made a set, a number of claims about him. Like the question uh, of the difference between this religion is who is Jesus? Who is Jesus in Judaism? Who is Jesus in, Islam, uh, Jesus in Islam? And who is Jesus in Christianity? Christianity yeah. And so when Jesus entered the world, he made a number of claims that is actually the reason why he was crucified in Judaism is what kind of claims he made. Mm. Believe in me, I'll raise you on the last day. Before Abraham was I, I was. am mm, I am I yes, am yeah, right <laughs> Any, anyone who come to come to the Father comes through me. Mm. You know those those kind of claims that when he said them, the Jews knew exactly what he was saying. Yeah, and so when he said to them, "I am, the, I am the Messiah." Uh, you know, I am he. When they say, well, tell us. I say, yes, I am he. And the, 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 the high priest tears his, his, his clothes and goes, well, what more do we need? He has blasphemed. Yeah. I'm actually reading a book at the moment called The Unexpected God. Jesus, The Unexpected God. Yes, yes. And it... it absolutely beautifully. Yeah. That's exactly what you're saying. It wasn't what they expected. They were looking for a Messiah, but yes. not the Messiah that Jesus yes. was. Yes. Mm. So, you know, even when you listen to his, his own disciples, they, they say by him all things were made, things in heaven and things on earth. Yeah. And through him all things hold together. He's before all things, you know, and so on and so forth. All things were made by him, for him, and through him. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word became flesh. So Jesus had even in his interaction with, you know, the rest of his disciples, one day he got to ask them the question, who do people say I am and who do you say I am? Yeah. The question of who is Jesus becomes what divides all these, these other religions. So to, to Judaism, uh, Jesus was the blasphemer, you know, the, the basically the, the bad man, the evil man, who basically should have been condemned, judged and condemned and stuck on the cross for the sin of blasphemy. Because yeah. I mean, when we, today, when you, 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 in today's society, somebody says, I'm God, you laugh it off, right? But, you know, it was not like that with the Jews. Like, no. no, God is far away. God is immaterial. God is extremely powerful. God is, you know, he's not creation at all. He's necessary. He's not contingent. You know, God is all-knowing, all-powerful. God is not man. Man is not God. And yet there stands a man who says, I am God. What do you mean? And so that is the reason why Jesus, he's the stumbling block here. Yeah. All right? And so Jesus claimed to be God. He didn't just simply claim to be just some God. He claimed to be the God who made the universe. Yes. Basically, that is where everything comes down to. And so because of that, 
the Judaism like, no, no, you cannot be. That's why he got put on a cross. Mm. And then he got come to Islam. Well, yeah, Islam believed Jesus is prophet, you know, born of Virgin Mary. He come back in the last day, you know, and, and so on and so forth. But you do not say that Jesus is God or son of God. It's the sin of shirk. Mm. It's exactly the same as Judaism. It is blasphemy. Mm. Because Allah had no son. And there's only one Allah. There is only one God. And yet, now the concept of God in Christianity is, you know, put us in a situation where, well, the all-knowing, all-powerful, greatest conceivable being, somebody just presented themselves here and said that was him. And so, Islam and Judaism say, well, no, Jesus is not God. And whereas to Christianity, if Jesus is not God, then there is no Christianity. Can you see that either Judaism and Islam are right, that Jesus is not God, mm. and therefore Christianity should collapse. So the acceptance of the proposition of who is Jesus as Judaism and Islam presents it nullifies the Christian message. Right? Mm. And the proposition of what the Christian message says about Jesus nullifies the other two. Yes. It's called the laws of con uh, the, the, the law the law of contradiction. Either A or B, right? Or mm. A or non-A. No. A or non-A. Either God or not God. Mm. If he's God, then the two there are not correct. Yes. And if he's not God, the two there are correct, and the Christians are mistaken. So if you want to know which God is the definition applied. Now we have to assess the claims of the Christian God. Mm. And that is the claims of Jesus. Yeah. And so, in that sense, what we need to, to look at is, was Jesus who he said he was? And that is the biggest question that the Christian must answer. And if the Christian can answer that question then we can come to the conclusion to which God exactly created the universe. Well, we're going to talk about that <laughs> a little further in a couple of minutes. Let's listen to For King and Country and Control. Asked me to let go, but I thought I knew better Afraid of surrender and what I don't know I've always had a plan, but now I'm so weary And I can't see clearly, forgot who I am So make my eyes your eyes, my ears your ears My tears your tears And won't you make my hands your hands My feet your feet, my dreams your dreams Control. 
I speak honestly, I've still got some questions Still fighting the tension, I need some relief No, I'm no superman, this is my confession Been learning my lesson, help me understand So won't you make my eyes your eyes, my ears your ears My tears your tears And won't you make my hands your hands, my feet your feet My dreams your dreams Samuel, and uh, we were talking before the break that the stumbling block between uh, those that believe in the one God is the person of Jesus. Yes. And you're going to have a look at that particular stumbling block as we move forward. Now, um, I was just simply looking at at what we we need to cover because I want to look at, you know, the the claims of Jesus uh, to being divine, being God, uh, and not only the indirect claims, then we look at the direct claims, and then we look at what his disciples said about him. Mm. Uh, and, and so then we contrast with, you know, of course that that's using uh, the biblical text that you know, you know, uh, Old Testament that the Judaism already used, but also we will look at the what the Muslims say about Jesus. Uh, but I'm wanting to establish here that Jesus laid claims to being God. Now, it's quite an extensive body of work. Now, as I said earlier on, when the natural theologian or the person, the theologian who reflects uh, on, on uh, you know, the created order uh, to do natural theology, then the theologian who does that uses the biblical text, not as wholly inspired, even though they are. Yeah. But he uses them as just simply 
historical documents. Yes. All right. Yeah. Historical documents. And so let's uh, let's. I want to probably start here um, to give some of the claims that Jesus made using biblical text. And remember, I'm not using biblical text at this point as holy text. I'm using it just as historical document. Yeah. And if anybody had any question about how historic these documents are, we'll be looking at it. Uh, you know, whenever if if that 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 opportunity or that question is raised. So if anybody raises it, we will look at it at that point. Okay. So let's look at the way to understand what Jesus was saying. There is an element of uh, hermeneutic which which is that you understand the message communicated sometimes and very often by the person to whom it's been communicated's response. How they respond. I, I've told this funny, funny story where, <laughs> um, you know, I don't know whether this makes the point, but it, it, it in an indirect way. When I got to England once, and not understanding that people do queue in England, I came from the Congo, we, we, we fight to get on the bus. Like, there's no queue. Like, you know, the strongest or the fastest get on the bus. So as I'm, I'm running to catch the bus, and there was a queue there, and I didn't really realize. I came just running and bolted into the bus coming from the Congo. <laughs> Lord Jesus, have mercy. And, <laughs> and, and then it, the bus shuts its door, and there was someone there who had been there before me. Yeah. And so the bus driver was basically counting the number of people who were entering because you, we couldn't be stuck in the bus like the way we do it in Congo, like sardines. And hanging off the top. So it's number of chairs, <laughs> no people standing up, nothing like that. And so I was pretty much the last person to get in and the seat was taken. So I took the seat. And the person who was there before me when I came running, I was absolutely not happy. Mm. So ran alongside the bus and showed me one of his fingers from his hands. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and me, not knowing what the message meant, I just smiled and gave me a wave. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear, dear. You can imagine how living and upset that man was. Yeah, he would have steam coming out of his ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so in a roundabout way, I just thought it's a funny story. I like to tell it. But often, if somebody, if, if I, was, I was from England, and, and somebody raised one of those fingers in the air, I'd know exactly what they mean. Okay. <laughs> now you do, anyway. Now I do. Yes. <laughs> so you can, you know, you can see the reaction of the... My reaction was absolutely out of place. I wasn't supposed to laugh <laughs> and wave back. He wasn't saying hi. You no. <laughs> so in a way, uh, you get to know... There's <laughs> a broken laughing. <laughs> so... Um, and so let's see when Jesus makes some statements from the biblical text we have and how the people who listen to him answer. John chapter 5, verse 17. Actually, let's just open, open the text and read it. Now, bear with me. If, if the time we have on the radio today is not uh, enough, don't worry. So write these texts and we will close. And next Sunday we'll be back and we will be you know, opening this because we've got to talk about was Jesus God or was he just a, simply a mad and lunatic man, all right? Yes, most important question. And if he, if he is who he said he was, then the creator of the universe had just come and visited the world. And that is a big deal. Yeah. That's a very, very, very big deal. So uh, we're reading John chapter 5 
I'm reading verse 17, but you know, for the sake of the, uh, you know, the we, we say at Acts Church never read a Bible verse. Doesn't mean don't read your Out Bible. Out of context. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, we've borrowed it from stand to reason. That's what they yeah. say. All right, verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things in on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, "My Father is always at his work." To this very day, and I too am working. Sounds a benign statement, right? Mm, mm. This is how they respond to it. Verse 18. For this reason, the Jews try all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. God. Mm. The statement he made to them, they knew what he meant. Mm. All right? I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, you know? And there's only one Lord of the Sabbath, and that's God. And he was making himself equal to God. John chapter 8, verse 58. Let's read another one. It's within the same text. Um, because we're not going to read a Bible verse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let, let's, let's look a bit of context there. Uh, and so, let's, uh, just you know, Jesus uh, is having this interesting conversation. It's sort of from 48. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? <laughs> I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeking to glorify myself, but there, there is one whom... whom uh, who six eight, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth: if anyone keeps my word, I will ne- he will never see death. Mm. Well, that is quite a claim. Yeah, you obey my word, you will not die. Right. At this, the Jews exclaimed, "Now we know that you are demon possessed." Abraham died and so did the prophet. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never test death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Mm. He died and so did the prophet. Who do you think you are? Jesus responded, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. Mm. He saw it and was glad. Well, he was dead. When he see the Jesus day, Jesus was born only, you know, and listen to the answer. It's very reasonable conversation. You are not yet 50 years old. <laughs> the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Well, Abraham had already lived thousands of years before then. Yeah. And he said to them, 58, I tell you the truth. Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> Ouch. Yes. <laughs> Verse 59 is very interesting. Yeah. Here they go, verse 59. Um, At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple ground. Mm. 
He's made here claims that were just way out there. They're like, what? He's saying to them that Abraham saw his day. He was only born, he was only 50. Because what he's talking about, he wasn't, wasn't to do with, you know, when Abraham was there, you know, he and Abraham meeting up physically. Because mm. <laughs> they're seeing him as a man right there. Yeah, that's right. And he's talking to them as God. And once they realize, they're like, well, the kind of stuff you say basically deserves to be, you, know, you deserve to be killed. Yeah. And so you can have on and on and on of this. Uh, just, just to separate as, as a starting point. To separate Jesus from Judaism, you can see, I, I can give, there is tons, and I'll, we'll go through this material, and we'll establish, you know, the God who made the universe came here to be, you know, come in flesh. So, the Christian claim is that Jesus is the very God who created the heavens and the earth. Mm, yes. And if we can, just following the rules of logic and evidence, demonstrated Jesus was him or who he said he was. Now we have had a divine visitation on our hands. And now that is a serious matter. It is a serious matter. So my, my from here on end where we headed is I want to demonstrate to you that I have established that God exists. Mm. And I want to show you that Jesus claimed to be that God and he was right. And if he was right, Salvation is only in Him. Yes. Knowing God is only through Him. Mm. And going to God is only through Him. And therefore, any other claim of the concept of God being known by any other religion is obviously mistaken. Wow. It's good, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh all, for all of our listeners, um, we'll be back on air at 12 o'clock next Sunday to uh, really get our teeth into who Jesus is and who he said he was. Yes. And, uh, and hopefully that will build our faith and our understanding of him and we'll be able to go and tell other people who Jesus is and why they need to believe in him. Yes? Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen.